We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I'm James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat joining me. Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. How are you? I am doing fantastic, fantastic, fellas. I think uh, the rain is gone for now. It's really cold outside. Why do we always start with weather? I think it's because I, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a I'm we old. here. It's me. I know it's me. It's <laughs> yeah. definitely me. I will say, no, it's very true, though. My, my mood changes by how the weather goes. And if it's... Uh, dark and gloomy i just don't want to leave my house at all i've told you this and uh when it's bright sunshiny day kind of like it is now although it is cold i want to be outside i want to enjoy enjoy the the warmth it's just not warm so i could go back to bed there we go okay and then of course we're also joined he's back uh we almost lost him today but he's almost lost him uh Brendan Nunez from the Kings Bulls podcast. There we go. Brendan, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Appreciate you guys doing uh, episode 100 without me. Sorry that I couldn't make it, but as expected, you guys did great. And you guys are the two OGs anyways. It was kind of fitting. Um, and yeah, I've had a busy couple of days, and today was not an exception to that. So I'm doing all right. Can we talk about it? We, we, we need to document this. We can document it here on the podcast. So Brendan is going to call the police here soon, mm. as soon as he's done with the podcast. Because Are you okay? Yeah. I well, am let's okay. Get to it. Uh, yeah, Walk us through it. Prior to our start time, I'm on the way back from a little Taco Bell run. Oh, and oh Jesus oh, Christ, yeah. Brendan. Somebody <laughs> decided to uh, pull over and park on the side of the road. At least that's kind of what it looked like what was happening. And I'm driving past them, going the speed limit, semi-residential area, and they end up deciding to make an illegal U-turn straight into my car, and airbags went off and all that, and my back tires all screwed, and 
my car made it back to my friend's place that I'm at right now while I'm 11 days in between my apartments, uh, this little in-between time. So a lot going on. Uh, everybody's all right, but a little bit of shock, and we're about an hour removed from the car crash, but here to talk about the kinks. Fender Brendan. Bender Brendan. <laughs> Brendan yeah. Uh, what, uh, neck brace Brendan. We, we should have had neck brace Brendan. Um, yeah, th- these things happen. Uh, like, I, I haven't been in a like a good one since like 2014 we were discussing uh before we got on here but uh yeah that happens i'm i'm sorry you got to go through that and- well the good news is you know you, you have you know they have insurance and uh, everything will be able to be taken care no 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 uninsured oh, she was going to get gracious. insurance today though Sean so <laughs> i believe her uh, i, I believe that i think she was <laughs> u turning on her way to get some yeah, he said, "Oh, there's the insurance store. I just drove past it. Let me U-turn <laughs> to go." Back. I decided, I decided to get some delicious Taco Bell first, and then I was going right to the insurance office. Yes, and uh, I ran into you. That's okay. Uh, well, hopefully you're okay. Hopefully your your buddy's okay. Who uh, who sounds like took the brunt of it in the passenger seat, right? Yeah, yeah. New car, Brendan. Up to, uh, yeah, put his hand up to kind of brace for impact, and uh, the. Airbag left him with a pretty nice bruise, but that's the full extent of it. So their Did car you looks like a lot car? worse than mine does. I love my car, and it's still a fairly new car, so I'm not ready to get a new car. Well, it's totaled, pal. When you lose those airbags, you have to go car shopping. Yeah, yeah pretty much, pretty much done there. So excited for that. All right, well, let's get to another uh, another car crash. The Sacramento Kings <laughs> oh, lost spirited. 110 to 107. Uh, what is today? Wednesday night at, in Miami. And uh, this is going to be, I, I think punches might be thrown here. Um, this is like, it's a standard uh, day of covering the Sacramento Kings where um, we're looking at the, for the last two minute report, all day long because um, Sean may disagree, but they got jobbed in my opinion. And uh, I, I think a lot of people watched the replay of the final, uh, the final shot made by Tyler Hero. And uh, that was an egregious travel. And I know Sean disagrees. <laughs> no, uh, it was uh, like, again, I, I watched the egregious, play. Egregious like James. Egregious. We we've seen egregious calls. Like, like the the one that comes to mind, or no calls, I should say, is the Mike Bibby forearm uh, that Mike Bibby took from Kobe Bryant. That was egregious. This is a missed call. That's yeah, all it but is. The, the guy and is in eight real feet away, watching the play unfold, and it and it took like an extra two seconds. Like I, I have, I take issue with that. You take you see worse calls throughout a game. Tyler oh, Hero yeah. made a play. I mean, it's not egregious. It's a missed call. It took me a replay to see that, yeah, it looks like there's a travel there. Uh, guy still made a play. And it, it, in real time, I don't see the travel, personally. If I'm looking for the travel, yeah, I guess I see it and on the replay. In real time, in the moment, I didn't see the travel. So um, Kings fans can come at my head and and BJ, James can, <laughs> can get t-shirts of James, I guess. But no, I just, I mean, maybe Brendan can be the, uh, the, the third party here. Uh, he knows what that's about after being in Iraq today. Did you have any third parties? That your, I guess your buddy would be the third party. Oh, yeah, there you go. You no, I, I mean, so I'm, get his account. I'm kind of with Sean in a way, I think, between the two. Like, I didn't recognize it live for sure. They're also in 
the TV angle, like the ref was in the way of Tyler Hero's feet, so you didn't get a great view of that. But in the replay, it was really obvious. Like in the replay right away, you're like, that's a travel. And I think it's telling that Mike Brown um, apparently noticed it right away and was talking to the refs in live time about it. And it was obviously just really telling the extent that Mike Brown kind of went in on the refs post game. And it, and it wasn't just about that call. It was about all the calls that they have or have not been getting throughout the course of the start of this season. Sabonis coming into the game was the leader in fouls per game and, and Mike called a really interesting challenge at the end of that second quarter uh, that was Sabonis's first foul, but felt almost as if like a little, I just do not want this guy to get any fouls after everything we've dealt with with in the previous games um so i didn't think the travel was horrible i i tend to focus more on like i thought the kings just played a pretty bad game leading up to that and maybe they shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place um but lifetime i didn't mind it not being called a travel but i definitely see why when you're looking at the replay that that coach was pretty upset yeah i mean mike brown is gonna lose some cash in this situation he's gonna lose brendan new car money in in this situation <laughs> Uh, he's not uh, worried about it either i mean the, the, yeah. it, he he made the conscious effort to come out and stick up for his guys i mean look his his starting center has been the victim of some pretty weird calls um some ticky tack things throughout the first opening week of the season and uh i think he used it as an opportunity to be and i, th I think if you really dissect what he said it's not so much that that's tyler hero and he's terrence davis and uh, there's some star treatment there. It's no, that's the Miami Heat, and we're the Sacramento Kings, and maybe it's just predetermined that you know. And again, there's people who wanted that call reviewed. You can't review a call because there was no call, so you wouldn't be able to look at that. You wouldn't. It's it's non-reviewable. Um, so you'll see in the last two minute report. I'm sure it's going to say that there was a travel. I expect it, but it, we're talking about traveling in the NBA, guys. You know how that little that gets called anyway. Oh, <laughs> so that that game like, there was probably 30 travel calls. I mean, both I mean, sides. Was, yeah, both no, sides. both sides, both sides. Like, they've if given you ever, up. Yeah. You remember yeah. Nemanja Bielitsa got called for, like, eight travels that one year early in the season and was like, man, that's well, he, Nemanja Bielitsa. I mean, he's got lead feet. Like, yeah. the dude's and he up traveled. wearing cement boots. <laughs> he's Yeah, he traveled. But now it's like they, the point of emphasis. The point of emphasis is, like, one of those, the biggest garbage things of all time. It lasts for about two weeks, <laughs> and then... And then they're out the window. You're like, whatever happened to that point of emphasis on this or that? And, you know, like for those of us who get to watch the uh, the officials go through every year, although they didn't do it this year, and they show us the point of emphasis, but say, like, this is not for reporting purposes. This is just so you understand the point of emphasis uh, for this season. And so we watch the video, and they don't make them specific for teams, but it felt like every time – we had to sit down and watch it. It was Willie Cauley Stein on the video, like almost the entire time. Like, here is the point of emphasis for this season. And it's like, hey, look, there's Willie doing something he's not supposed to be doing. And then the next clip is Willie Cauley Stein. You're like, oh, I, again, these aren't team specific. It just always seems to be Willie. Um, but like, I, I don't buy it. Like, if you're going to make the game like officiated by guys who are professionals, you have to be able to look at that play in the final couple of seconds of a game. It's like not being able to review a touchdown. They review every touchdown now. In that situation, like you probably should have some mechanism in place where you can look at the play to make sure that everything's kosher. No. No. Yes. No. 
we're just gonna stop everything. Okay, let's go look at this play. Well, in, see in if there's if no there's timeouts. anything. Yeah, that was right. another mistake. Yeah. Again, it, guys, just move on. It's it's <laughs> it didn't cost you the game. Yes, I get it. The guy hit a big shot. Like it, it, there's travel all throughout that game. If you watch Darren Fox, how many times does that guy travel when he's driving to the basket on the gather everything. It's it's guys, it's traveling. Tough shit. Move on. Move on. <laughs> yeah. You 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 split the season series with the Heat. It came down to a final play. That's pretty I, good. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's sour grapes. Again, I don't think it's uh the refs are out to get Sacramento. I, I, I truly don't. Maybe I'm in the minority. I know there's a, like an inferiority complex every time Kings and the officials come up. People love to jump on the officials, um, and, and sometimes it's warranted. Tonight, or excuse me, last night when they when they had that game, uh, I didn't see it in real time. I didn't, and I think most people probably wouldn't have either. Um, you, you know, it just sucks. Sorry, you know, he made a hell of a play. Tyler Hero said post game that. It was kind of like the Jordan Poole thing. I don't know if you guys saw the night prior, uh, the Warriors played in <laughs> Miami, and Jordan Poole got called for three discontinued dribbles, just carries, and which is pretty crazy. Like, you see them all the time. Uh, one of them was pretty egregious, but the other one's like, I don't know. They happen all the time. And to Tyler Hero's point, he's like, it's like the Jordan Poole thing. Like, you could call a carry every single possession. You could call a, a travel every single possession if you wanted. So... I understand that for sure, but I also get why Kings fans are, are going to feel a little salty about that. Yeah, and you know, uh, Malik Monk got called for it in the game on a fast break, and and it was clear. Like, he he palmed the ball and walked like four steps and then put it back down as he's going down court. So I, I definitely saw that, and so I get it. I, I totally do. Um, I'll ask this question, though. Should Mike Brown have waited until Game 7? to unload on the officials because for my money like i've been watching every game and i'm waiting for that moment where he doesn't just call a challenge but he unloads on somebody and gets a technical to defend his guys because i get the defend your guys thing but when your your center is leading the league uh, coming into last night at 4.7 personal fouls a game and per 36 he's at 5.8 and he's fouled out of three of the first six games when he fouled out of three total last season. And then your point guard, who is one of the league leaders and finishes at the rim, is down to 4.4 free throws per game, and he can't buy a foul. Like, should Mike Brown have said something before this? And I get it. Like, the frustration level is, like, like boiling. But, like, in-game, he needs to make one of those motions where, like, like, look, I'm done. I'm done with what you guys are calling here. This is, it's it's egregious. And, like, let's back it up and, and try to defend your guys in the moment. I'm fine with what he did. I, I mean, I, I think I would ask, are you are you wanting him to get thrown out of the game? Get a technical? I, I mean, I think a technical for sure would have been warranted at some point. But I think this was more political, and I think it was better. Uh, because I think, look... There's a lot that's been going on. I know De'Aaron Fox called out the amount of times he'd been to the free throw line a few days ago. Um, he's not playing right now. I think it was a good opportunity to use this as an example, like I said, to to show your team that you're sticking up for them. It'll cost you a drop in the bucket for these guys, and uh, it didn't impact a game. You know, Mike Brown doesn't want to give points away, so I think um, – there's probably moments he could have taken a technical or could have, you know, I don't, again, I don't think he should be thrown out of game because uh, these games are, are really 
just too valuable right now. And and you also don't want to do it too early because especially like in maybe post game media sessions, you don't have an, I mean, officiating can be a little rough to start the season. So now you've got a little bit uh, bigger sample size, a couple games under your belt. You, your your team can send the league examples of, of maybe some calls that you were pissed off about. Um, and, and you've got a few games now to choose from, and now you've got your message across. Yeah, there'll probably be a – you'll be a little bit lighter in the pocket, but, it, again, drop in the bucket. You did the right thing for your team. Someone's probably – one of the players will probably pick up that fine. They make more than the coaches typically anyway, so I would expect Damanis Savonis probably to walk over there and say, here's your money back. Um, I, I, I think, uh, I think all will be good with the Kings. And I think, you know, Mike Brown is picking and choosing his spots and I think he did the right one. Yeah. I like to hear it from coach. I mean, I, I think like waiting seven games is certainly not a long time. And to Sean's point, like, I, I think that refs tend to be a little whistle happy at the beginning of the year. And I, I think that it's easy to fall into like since we're just watching from Sacramento's perspective that they're getting the short end of the stick but I think there's a lot of teams in the leagues that that will feel that way a lot of different uh people that cover teams or or fan bases and things like that like I think that there were calls in some of these games that we're talking about that Sacramento got some pretty tough calls that they got some whistles in their favor as well on the other end so I think it's kind of somewhat the nature of it but I, I like that Mike Brown is coming out and saying some something because as you guys said, the, the Sabonis calls had been ridiculous. Fox needs to be getting to the line more often, I think. Uh, Mike also pointed out in that presser yesterday when he talked about the travel that he thought Harrison Barnes got fouled on a player or two uh, prior leading up to that game-winning shot. So um, I, I don't mind uh, coach waiting, if you want to call it waiting. Um, I, I think that this was a fine time to say something, and we'll see what actually ends up changing if if much of anything really and you know what the last two minute report has just just come out it just confirmed it yep incorrect (laughs) non-call right uh yeah don't we all feel better now now that we know last two minutes are just amazing uh yeah it it is what it is I, i guess um it's you know it's expected um i haven't looked at the whole two minute report i'm gonna guess that there's one or two other incidents here of, oh, maybe not, of incorrect calls. Because that's usually what we get is some balancing. But, uh, yeah. Um, let's let's move on. Um, actually, I'm going to tweet this out. Last two-minute report confirms that Tyler Hero traveled on his game-winning three-pointer. I can just like <laughs> kind of lead us into the rest of the Miami game. There we go. Works. All right. Um, I-, I thought that the Kings played a pretty – poor offensive game like I, I thought that this was a little bit of a different game than what we've seen there was no De'Aaron Fox still dealing with that knee issue which we'll see how long he ends up being out for but it doesn't sound like it'll be that long as you guys touched on in the last episode um, and I thought that with Fox not out there and this is something that he talked about uh, previously after one of their their last games that when he and Domas aren't in the game it's just kind of like they don't have anybody that can hit the paint every single possession and then make plays from there and kind of bend the defense. And I think that we really, really saw that with De'Aaron not being a part of the lineup. Uh, Davion played great in Charlotte, but it was kind of just hitting a lot of jumpers, practically every jumper. His only missed shot was that dunk attempt where he tried to throw down over, I think it was Mason Plumlee. Um, But really early in this game and specifically like that second quarter, the Kings scored 19 points. I thought that they just couldn't 
hit the paint and they miss deer and Fox so much on the offensive end. Yeah. You put out a stat, Brendan. Um, what was your stat about points in the paint with Fox? Yeah. Let me find it again. real quick. 45.2% of the points in the paint come when deer and Fox is on the court, something like that. Yeah. When Fox is on the floor, 45.2% of Sacramento's points come in the paint when he's not on the floor, only 33.2% of their points come in the paint. They're taking the least amount of field goal attempts per game in the restricted area. Hmm. Sean, you were about, about to say something. Yeah, I think it was just an adjustment that Miami made, and spe- specifically not having Fox out there makes life a hell of a lot easier. I know they were without Jimmy Butler as well, but I think they they made some adjustments in there, and you know did a really good job of forcing things out. Um, I, I look, I mean, Darren Fox is is the two part of the two headed monster. You know, as luck would have it, Demonis Sabonis was a hell of a lot more impactful, and his foul trouble. Uh, was non-existent. Um, Keegan Murray struggled defensively in that game. Um, and offensively. There's, there's a lot of, th- yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really have too much of a problem with the way he looked offensively. Um, you know, I mean, the Kings kept their turnovers down, and part of that was because they're the guy who usually initiates one of the guys that initiates offense wasn't there, and so the ball tend to stagnate a little bit more. But they were running some interesting little half court sets. They weren't, I don't, I don't feel like the, the pace was up to what they would normally like. So it was an adjustment period. Um, I think whether Fox plays uh, on Saturday in Orlando or not, I think you're going to see that cleaned up a little bit more. Um, I think there's going to be a little bit more emphasis on trying to play fat quicker and, and move the ball a little bit quicker. And I think we've talked about it in previous podcasts with, when you have Davion Mitchell as your as your primary point guard, the ball tends to stick a little bit more. And part of that, I think, is just knowing your personnel. I think it's also um, Davion also being that type of player. He tends to dribble the ball a lot. Um, he's a young player in the league that's also an older player in the league. So it's still a feel factor for him where you have to kind of feel it out. But playing off ball with Sabonis, when you give him the ball, it, it can be a little bit trickier for him, I think, than um, – I think he's playing better. I think I think he's certainly. Um, I feel like he's initiating quicker than we've seen, but it's still not quick enough. So um, it doesn't all fall on him, though. I mean, we saw twenty minutes from Matthew Dellavedova, and I think that was an encouraging sign as well. Yeah, and I'll say I, I I've been monitoring the pace every day to see where the pace is at. They're up around number four, number five yesterday, coming into the game. They dropped to number ten. They dropped like almost a full possession in one game which just means that they were much much slower than normal like a good six or seven possessions lower than what they have been throughout the season and that's a problem um like we've brought this point up a couple of times but i'll make it again it really does feel like a lot of these guys haven't played together including davion mitchell with demonis sabonis it feels like they haven't played together and davion doesn't really know how to play off of sabonis like a lot of the veteran guys do, or like Fox does. It's just not a natural thing for him. He, I don't think he's ever played with anyone like that. And it it shows. I mean, it shows big time. And like, I I don't want to put all the heap, all the like blame on Davion for a game like this, because I thought he was really good in the game before when he stepped in to De'Aaron's spot. But I'll also point out that what was the difference between these two things? The difference is he started 
And so he tried to play within the flow of what was happening and not realizing that that's, he just needs to go play. He needs to stop worrying about those things and he needs to just go play basketball like he did the game before when he was so incredibly impactful. So I think that there just needs to be like, I hate saying this, like it's, you need more time in the pot to simmer. Like there's going to come a point where it's like, look, you just, these ingredients don't work together, but there's also a point where you've got to be slightly patient. And I hate saying that because, you know, for 13 years, like I keep saying the same thing, like you probably should be a little bit patient and see if this team can figure it out. Well, this team should be better. Um, not then two and five or whatever they are at this point because their record, their, uh, their schedule has been difficult, but like they do actually need some time to grow through some of these issues that, that will pop up throughout a season. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to feel about the, again, I don't, I don't want to harp on Davion too much either, but like, I almost feel like the difference between the Charlotte game and the Miami one was just shots going in. Like, I don't even know that I loved his shot attempts in the Charlotte game. Like, I think that late in the game, he had two really big layups um, where he got to the rim that that kept them in it. And I, I thought that he was great at that point. But like the whole not having played with Sabonis that much is I think there's definitely a part of that. But it's interesting to me because like their offense doesn't change when Sabonis isn't out there. Like their offense is the same the entire time. And to me, it almost looks like sometimes Davion just decides to take matters into his own hands and goes outside of the natural like flow of the offense and when those shots are falling that looks great um it's just like that hasn't consistently been something that goes down for him um defensively he he did his thing out there obviously um but he he wasn't the best passer out there either i thought that malik monk was was phenomenal passing the ball in that game against miami as he has been all year um so it's not it's not a knock on davion i think it's just more so realizing how good De'Aaron is and that they just don't have another guy like him. I'm still trying to digest, James, what you were saying with with, with Mitchell. You said it's not working? Is that what you were alluding to? Because I like I think he's been fine. Um I, I agree with Brendan a little bit, although I do I think I don't see really much problem with his passing. I just think he's just not as quick to to do it. Um you know he's not really turning the ball over or anything like that. Um so that that part doesn't really bother me but I, I just I just feel like some of the decisions can come a little quicker uh, I do think there tends to be some hero ball uh, especially a little bit later on so maybe that's what we were kind of talking about but yeah James what did you mean about um, not it not working like I just, in, I, in general like yeah because like I, I also feel that perhaps and I know he's playing the role of a point guard like I just it's weird because I don't I see him as like this combo guard a lot Obviously, he doesn't have the size of being um, a shooting guard or anything like that. But in positionless basketball, like I, I, I he's a he's a capable ball handler, a distributor. He can play make, um, but it's probably not what he hangs his hat on, if you know what I mean. And at that point, you know, then you better be a good shooter. He's a decent shooter. He's a very clutch shooter. Um, but those aren't the things we're necessarily killing him for. No, I, I'll say this, a couple of things off of what Brendan said and what you've, you've, the questions you've asked. I thought, first of all, he was absolutely horrific defensively. I thought he got absolutely used by Kyle Lowry last night. And so I'll, I'll just put that out there. Like, there's going to be games like that where you go up against a savvy veteran. He just got killed. I mean, he, he, Lowry had 17 points in the first half. 
like some some uh, like adjustments were made, but like not until the guy had already just absolutely lit you up. He took him inside. I mean, his 17 year vet, you know, Kyle Lowry's got to be what 36, like just just used him. And so I'll say like again defensively, I think he's been okay this season. He has not been like spectacular at all. And then mm-hmm. uh, the other thing I would say is while they're running the same thing. This is where I kind of give him the break. Like Rashawn Holmes doesn't know how to do what their what Sabonis does, and it's it's not even like the passing skills. He's <laughs> just not going to set the pick like the other guys are setting. He's not getting into the offense quickly. He's waiting. He's doing his rim running. He's standing underneath the basket, and then he's taking five seconds to go out and set the screen. And that's why we keep seeing guards go before he's there because they're all sitting there with the 0.5 second clock in their head saying I got to make a decision here where is my big and he's not there and it's the same thing on defense he is not showing like we we went through this whole thing with the coaching staff on remember ice where when uh, a big comes out to set a screen and the guards going towards the uh, the sideline it's the bigs uh, job to force them to the sideline and wall them off, have both players wall the guard off. Well, he's not getting there. He's just letting the guy come around and getting used on the, like with the guard coming downhill. A lot of times he's not even stepping up. He's just staying with his man and letting his man get screened off and going. So to me, it's not even that I don't think it's an effort thing. He's just not moving quickly enough inside of their offensive or defensive sets and I think it's like an adjustment he has to make personally, but that's where I give Davion in the second unit a little bit of a break because I don't think they are playing, they're playing the same offense, but they're playing with different pieces and these pieces don't fit. And so it, it's very difficult to expect the same thing from a second unit when none of the pieces are doing the same thing that the first unit's doing, although they're running the same exact offense, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I also, yeah, I mean, to that point, like, too, I, I haven't felt like at any time that you're truly seeing a true second unit, if that makes sense. Like, you're not, uh, more times than not, you're not really seeing five new players on the floor at all at any given time. I think they're doing a much better job in trying to um, keep certain players out there. It's easier to do when you have someone like Fox and Sabonis, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I probably have to watch that a little bit closer, but. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had, to be honest, I haven't had too many problems with what Davion Mitchell's doing. Um, it's early in the season. It's, it's a lot of new concepts. I, I don't feel like he's on my radar as someone who's struggling. Hmm. Yeah, I think when it comes to like the second unit, I, I think they've tried to always keep one of HB or Keegan on the floor. And then outside of that, it seems to be like four bench players around them that like coach just slowly, uh, integrates into the lineup like I think more often than not we're seeing like Trey Lyles be that first sub that comes in for either Keegan or HB and then the next sub will have two more guys and then they'll end up taking one out and all of a sudden you're at the bench four and and one of HB or Keegan coming back in the game um, and, and I think that that second unit has not looked as good but it's had its moments I, I think that Malik Monk and Trey Lyles have been kind of the bright spots um, and Trey Lyles more so recently, I didn't think he was great at the first couple of games, but in these recent ones, he's been solid. Um, and then 
the maybe lower points to me have been Rashawn Holmes and Davion, but I, I not like down on them or anything. I, I think that they could come around and get comfortable in this system, but they certainly don't look at it yet. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like, look, it, it is early and I, I'm not trying to throw these guys under a bus. I'm just trying to explain that like in my eyes, I see plenty of things that just aren't going well. And I think that there are reasons for those things without making excuses. I, I think that, that there are definitely reasons why Davion looks so much different with the first team than, than Fox does outside of just flat out like talent levels, like, just the on-off stuff. Uh, with Davion Mitchell on the court, the pace of the Kings is 97.6. With him off the court, it's 102.3. The offensive rating is 108.9. The def- uh, the offensive rating with him off the court is 115.4. Like, these are things where you're seeing, like, this step down versus where he's at, like, when he's on the court versus when he's off the court. And I, I think it's pretty substantial, um, and he, he needs to figure some stuff out. You know, the, the opponents when he's on the court have an, a defensive rating, an offensive rating of 118. And when he's off the court, the Kings defensive rating basically is what that is, is 113.4. So like they're much, they're plus 0.44 when he's on the, their defensive rating is plus 44 when he's off the court. Yeah. But that's not telling the whole story. It, no, it just no. isn't. Not at all. I mean, I don't want people to hear that and go, oh, I mean, they're completely different players. Completely different players. Oh, oh no, you got I, a dude I, who started I, off scoring yeah. 30 points a game. You have a guy who's not a scorer. You have a guy who's playing with different elements and aren't the best, and another guy who's playing with top-tier talent. So it's, you know, I just want people to take that as an aside to consider that when you're looking at stats through seven games. No, totally, totally. And and I agree with that 100%. And But I also know that, like – we're not going to see the switch. There's not going to be a point where Fox is playing with the second unit and he's playing with the first. And and those are Davion's stats. That's not comparing comparing right. him to Fox, although it kind of is because one of them No, it, it, it directly is in that consideration. Minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and the other one's playing, you know, the other 14 minutes. So, yeah, I, I mean, and it's not to like harp on a kid that like it, it, I think he needs more time to figure it out. I think he's one of the guys you can circle and say, if there are one or two guys on this team that don't seem like they truly understand, like they're not comfortable with the concepts yet, it's him and Rashawn Holmes. Um, and and I don't think that they're like not giving effort. I think they are. I think they're both giving effort. I just think that like there's a big drop off between what we're seeing with the first team and what we're seeing with the second team, and they need to make adjustments. And I think there's an aspect of when it comes to Rashawn specifically, I think that you kind of have to suit your play style to him to optimize him in a way. And specifically just getting him to that push shot, like just playing in a pick and roll with him. And the only way that he's getting that like patented push shot is if he catches it in the right spot and is taking it right from there. He doesn't create it for himself in any sort of way. And I think we saw him hit his first push shot of the year last uh last night against miami if i'm remembering that i think that's the second second second. yeah yeah because i remember him having one earlier if i help me remind were they both on second chance opportunities like he gathered a a, a rebound uh because i feel like i felt like too like there's just i mean there's no plays really being called for rashawn like no and i don't really fault them necessarily but yeah expecting rashawn holmes to play the similar role as sabonis within the the style of the offense is (laughs) 
I mean, I, I don't think that's the wisest, but um, you have to curtail your offense and your and what you're doing to suit Rashawn Holmes. And um, I think you probably could try to free him up in the paint a little bit, or you know, try to get him those touches as you mentioned, Brendan. And it seems to me, just in my mind's eye, if I remember right, the, those those two push shots that we've seen were like on second chance opportunities or a collected rebound or something like that. I, maybe I'm wrong there, but that's what it, what I picture. I don't I don't disagree with you. I, I I don't think that they're utilizing Holmes well at all at this point, and that kind of takes some of the the pressure off of him. But I also like when I say he's not coming up and and on the defensive end, he's not coming up where the the big is screening one of the Kings guards. He's not showing strong enough because that's something that they told us was an emphasis for them. He's playing in no man's land. He's not used to being that far out. And I'd say the same thing like on the offensive end when he's supposed to come way out and set a screen. He's not used to being 24 feet away from the rim because he's a guy who likes to set it closer to the three-point line or maybe two steps in from the two, uh, from the three-point line so then he can roll to the basket and, and be that finisher at the rim. Well, there is none of that play going for him. And that's where, I, like I said it early and I'll keep saying it, I would like to see some pick and roll. Like, I get this wide open yeah. offensive thing, but man, you have some incredible pick and roll pieces, including Sabonis. I think it's why Sabonis has struggled offensively, like to to score a bunch of points, not to, you know, he hasn't scored that well. Offensively, I think he's been fine. Like, I mean, he's been the hub that we all thought that he would be. He's averaging what, like close to seven assists a game at this point. Um, but I still would like to see more pick and roll. I would like to, you know, even if it's for short stents, like, hey, let's switch it over and, and do pick and rolls for like five possessions and then go back to it. It seems like the same offense again and again and again. And I know they're trying to get to, to their progressions. They aren't there yet where they're doing all of the prog progressions out of their offensive scheme at this point. But still like if you've got pick and roll pieces use the pick and roll pieces on occasion to to come up with some easy buckets you know definitely I, and i think a lot of their offense has to do with like I, I think there's ways that they naturally go into a pick and roll in the flow of that offense or like a dho that kind of a dribble handoff that kind of functions the same way but it's a lot of asking guys to recognize that moment and then capitalize on it themselves and I think that there's some guys that do that really well. I think we've seen Kevin Herter do that really well. I think we've seen Malik Monk do that well as of late, uh, the beginning of the year. I, it, he's kind of hit or miss game to game. I, I think his playmaking's been phenomenal. I've been shocked by that. But then I think that sometimes, like Davion Mitchell, for example, again, I, I don't mean to harp on him, but will maybe feel like it's his moment to take advantage of something when maybe that wouldn't be the most ideal play. So I, I think that there's like ways that they get into their same pick and roll, but I, I think it's about just feeling comfortable when guys want to call their own number and decide to kind of go that way within, within the flow of it. And um, yeah, I mean, Davion and Rashawn are the two that stand out and I, I will just back like your point of Rashawn on defense. Like I, I feel like I'm like, was taking crazy pills and didn't know what I was watching two years ago when he was a really good defender, because now he's just like, I hate to be that guy. He's just horrible out there defensively. Like, like you're saying, he's not at the level of the screens. And a lot of this has to do with the center being the most important position uh, when it comes to the defense. So that's why I'm, I'm harsh on him there, but he, he's just letting guys blow past him. 
Um, I think that he's been really poor there. And then on the offensive end to just echo your point, like the screening, I think just setting that screen. I know he's talked about like the, he feels like the guards maybe move a little bit too quick. And maybe that's a reason why he gets some of these offensive fouls and things like that. And I think that that's part of it, but him also just staying grounded and setting that hard screen instead of slipping it and then hoping to get the ball from there, I think would be pretty big. Um, so yeah, I think it's just little things that these guys are going to get used to. And, you know, I feel like we're spending a lot kind of criticizing the things that they could have done better or haven't done great at this point, but I still feel pretty good about the team. I think this is kind of as expected record wise, two and five, like coach is constantly talking about how they want to be trending up and every once in a while they're going to trend down, but it's about bouncing back and responding from there. And I think that they're trending up if you're considering the starting point of what the end of last year was. Yeah, and I guess I mean like we are talking about a lot of negative things because a lot of negative things have happened when you're two and five. Um, but again, I don't think that there's been any lack of effort from this team. I think that every night they come out and look very prepared. I think it's just these these moments where they just aren't grasping specific concepts that are exposing guys because when you're not getting there quick enough to set the screen you're going to get off of an offensive foul calls all the time. When you're not showing on on uh, the defensive end when, when your guard is being picked and all of a sudden a guard is running downhill on you and you're getting blown by, that's because you didn't do the work early. If you do the work early, you don't have to worry about a guy breaking loose because you're already there defending him. And if he gets around you, again, that getting around you is going to take an extra half second and allow your defense to rotate and your other teammates pick you up. But when you're not showing and you're running out there late and the guy's already running by you, it's over. You know, like there is no rotation that can help you at that point. And I would like to say that the Kings rotations are slow. They're only slow with like one or two players that are, that are playing out there. Like, so it, it's like everything has to work. And when we hear the, like it's on a string, it's like when one guy goes one way Two guys shift another way. Like there's so many things that happen within the flow of a game that unless you really watch it, you won't see. And then if a guy does something he's not supposed to do, then it makes everyone else look bad. Like they're late. And it's because that one guy's not on the string. And so well, I, again, I, I'm not just trying to pick on. Yeah. I'm saying that there's a point where he needs to grasp the concepts and he needs to figure out what it is that he's not doing to stop what's happening well and I, the only thing i was going to point out too i think what was different in this uh, miami game again is the zone that they faced and miami went really really small so i mean it was, I, again i think their adjustments that, that miami made you, you know i i actually might be the, <laughs> the the contrarian again i i don't feel that the kings are playing that terribly like uh i don't, I don't I don't feel like there's a whole lot of negative to focus on. I think even last night's game, I thought this team was was performed pretty well, uh, all things considered. I think this was a uh, so far a very good road trip. You lost the game, but you know Miami didn't create a lot of distance with their leads. You do, you weren't able to either as a Kings. You weren't able to uh, create a lot of separation. There was so many lead changes, but yeah, I mean I've I've actually been pretty impressed with what I've seen so far from a level of you know competitive nature um i know we can get really bogged down into the x's and o's and stats and and different things but overall i think this has been a very uplifting um 
uh, a lot to really hang your hat on from from a from a from a performance standpoint. And I think if you go into Orlando, I don't like to look too far ahead, but if like if this is a two and two trip, and I I, I've, I think we said this just uh, in the last podcast, like I think this there's a lot to to really take away from that. There will be a lot of positives there, um, and, and and I think if you're Mike Brown, being a 500 team on the road is is really what you try to aim to be. And uh, you really have to take advantage of home cooking, which you haven't been able to do. So um, it's it's not a it's not a it's not the toughest trip that they're going to see, but it's uh it, it can be. And I think there's opportunities here on the on this trip. And you're already done with Miami, and you split the series. I think that's a I think that's a really positive momentum to go into Orlando with. Yeah, I think so too. I think the Orlando game is going to be like sort of that game where, like, if if they are able to win, that it'll calm a lot of people down and be like okay like like you still got the warriors ahead of you so there's a chance you go three and six but if they lose that game it's going to be a lot more panic again because i think a lot of people just assume that because you know that's a young team that the kings should be better than them and there is no should be better especially no should when be. it's especially when they're it's on the road and you're facing a team that is probably the longest team that I've seen in like a really, really long time. They're also I mean, very depleted, by the way. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are out. Like even tonight's game, they're, they're playing uh, Golden State tonight, and uh, there's like Gary Harris is out. Uh, a lot of their guards, like uh, Anthony Cole Anthony, I believe, is out. I mean, a lot he's of out lot long of long term. He's yeah, got a, th- like a torn muscle, uh, abdominal, internal abdominal muscle tear. Yeah, yeah, I'll get the report in front of me. But yeah, there's just a, there's a especially at their guard play, they they've got a lot of absences right now. Yeah, but they're running Paolo at the three. Mm-hmm. There, which is which is kind of scary. They got, <laughs> and I also Bo- think, I mean, uh, Bol Bol, who is cr- <laughs> playing outlandishly well. Yeah, he's he's a star, man. That guy's gonna be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, man. I really do. Like Bull Bull is incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. And I also think it helps that Bull Bull plays with Bancaro a lot because, um, like, I don't think Bancaro is the most physical guy. Um, some might even call him soft. I kind of did, um, but he at the three. I think he's he looks fantastic as a three. He really does. Like I, I much prefer to see him there as as compared to like a four or five or you know anything like that. Yeah, and they have some shot blockers to defend uh, t- behind him. Uh, Wendell yeah. Carter, uh, they've got Mo Bamba, uh, they've got Bull Bull. It's kind of like the missing ingredient, the Kings, you know, the Kings need one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, The Kings that's... need the long shot blocker to play with Sabonis, and they just haven't been able to find him. They That's like, if that's the one thing, I, I like call Orlando, see if they're, you know, you kind of wish that Jonathan Isaac was healthy which I don't mm. think will ever happen in the history ever. of Jonathan Isaac. But um, if he was healthy, then maybe it would free them up to move one of those guys because they have like four or five guys that really fit the mold of what the Kings need. And it's almost like they're hoarding them. Like they've, we hoard all of the seven foot three uh, shot blocking. Well, the seven foot three wingspan shot blocking four or five combo guys. And it's interesting them in Toronto. They've, they've like hoarded yeah. them all. And the Kings have yet to see one. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that like going into the Orlando game, they 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 should have a, a pretty good chance to come out on top of that one. I, I think there is like an okay amount of pressure on that game, just being one that they should win, and they haven't really had many games that they should win so far this year. Should should should. Damn it, um, Brendan. So what he's doing? 
but I, I don't feel doing? I don't feel bad about the Miami game. Like I thought the offense was the offense was an issue. I mentioned not getting the paint. They only had 14 free throw attempts, and most of those came in the second half. Um, they got out rebounded, but I, I think that really like their offense just didn't look very good on a night when they're playing one of the best defenses in the league that's going to switch everything and, and totally throw off your schemes and throw zones at you. And you didn't have your best offensive player. Like, I think that was a totally fine. And I still think Dandy. there's reasons to feel <laughs> good about what happened in um, so far up to this King season. And I think that th this is the first time that I've seen the offense maybe be a shortcoming for this team, unless a moment is slipping my mind. Even that Golden State game where their defense was terrible, they kind of were keeping up close enough. Um, I think I the their Memphis offense game, was pretty impressive. The yeah. Memphis game, they weren't good offensively. That's right. Uh, yeah, they've had games with a lot of turnovers, I, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that overall, like we're starting to see some strengths and weaknesses develop to this team okay sean yeah I, I think a lot of that was on miami for this one i just really do i i the way they defended i thought was really really incredible i mean the Kings still shot 47.7 percent you know and didn't turn the ball over like they just weren't getting enough shots really you know so yeah uh it's just an adjustment and i think i think that was the the game where they had to if you're having a practice today you're you're kind of tinkering with some things yeah, I'll point out this too. Um, Sean, you made the statement on the last, uh, on Tuesday. A proclamation? Well, it's not like we're ever going to see Delvadova play like 15 minutes in a game. <laughs> and then he goes for 20 minutes. There he is. Um, Did I say it like that? Yeah, actually, I think you said, I don't think he'll ever play more than like 12 minutes ever. But right. it was something like that. Um, Keep proving me wrong, Deli. I like what I see from him. I mean, it's not always perfect and he made some like like he he fouled a lot and but he was physical. I thought he got uh he was in the officials ear a couple of times. He's not taking it when they're getting these foul calls. There were some strange things that happened with him where like somebody grabbed him and he got a foul call. Um but I think we now see again why they kept Delavadova around is you know breaking case of emergency, but also just you see him coaching the whole time and in guys' ears and like pulling guys together. And there's even a moment late in the game where Delavadova and Mitchell were both in the game. I thought that that was like strange to see. Uh, there were moments where guys tried to run over Delavadova, and he just was like, "Yeah, that's not gonna happen." That would have been my. That would have been me if I was Eric Spolstra. I'd be like, "Take that dude out! Like, go right at him. He's probably not going to play much longer if you do." Yeah, it, it was. It was. It surprised me. I started off the podcast by saying, "You know, my goodness, he's he played twenty minutes. Like that was." I, I don't know if we'll see that again. <laughs> you know, I just, you I just don't. keep saying that. And that it's he's question play, mark. It's he's going to play question 30 mark. against Orlando. <laughs> will That's, we see that again? And will that be happen. a good thing? Um, I did bring up, by the way, the injury report. How about this? This is for Golden State tonight. And it was Cole Anthony, we already talked about. Markel Fultz out, fractured toe. Gary Harris with a left knee. Uh, we already know about that. Jonathan Isaac is perpetually always on the injury list well, so Terrence Ross questionable yeah yeah the knee contusion so we don't know what Terrence Ross might be but Mo Mo Wagner uh with a foot sprain so yeah they, they've got a, they've got a lot of a lot of casualties right there and maybe uh 
that sometimes that doesn't bode well for the Kings. And this is I mean, probably one of the reasons why you're seeing some of those bigs really uh, get so many minutes together um, with Orlando. But it's been they've been sneakily, sneakily one of the fun uh, league pass teams to watch. We do have breaking news as we're sitting here. Yeah, we here. do. The Hornets uh, restricted free agent Miles Bridges pleaded no contest to the felony domestic violence charges Thursday in Los Angeles Superior Court and will face three years of probation and no jail time as part of a deal with prosecutors. Hmm. Cite your source, buddy. That's Baxter uh, Holmes on it. Excuse me. Yes, that is Baxter yes, Holmes through, through Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, yeah. Like Woj retweeted Baxter. Um, so he will be of uh, he will be see if the interesting if the NBA does anything probably not but you'll uh, you can now go to Brooklyn negotiate a deal yeah how about that yeah well I mean no I mean he's still a restricted free agent he they, right they haven't pulled his qualifying offer um, like what a strange situation that's going to be I don't know that he plays again in the NBA but then again. Um, I also didn't think that Emmy Yudoka would coach again in the NBA, and all of a sudden, like, bygones, they just kind of move right past the whole situation with him in Boston. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, it does kind of, like, it, it pushes us to a different topic here. Uh, what do you guys think happens? And, and and I'll reiterate, I've said this before on the podcast, but, uh, like, we face this, a similar thing with Darren Collison um, I don't know, was that 2015? And in the state of California, like, Miles Bridges had no choice but to plead guilty. Oh, well, to plead no contest, bless you. Um, yeah, he had, uh, oh, he's on, he's on I mute. I tried to but, find the mute button and then I muted yeah. myself. Yeah. Uh, but in the state of California, if there are domestic claims against you and a police report is filed, if uh, the domestic partner decides Brendan has left us, if the domestic partner has decided to not, uh, like, go to trial and testify against you, they will read the original police report in uh, as their as their witness statement, and uh, you have no way around it. And so that's what Darren Collison faced. It's the same thing that um, he was going to face here, and like, even if his uh, estranged, I don't know, partner, I don't know if his wife or not. Um, it, even if she decided not to press charges, it didn't matter. The bell was already rung. Um, like there was no way for him to walk away from that without at least something. So that's what we're seeing. The no contest is just him saying, well, there's no way I'm going to be able to fight this and, and get away from it. And it's the same thing, I believe, that Collison, I think Collison pleaded guilty. Um, but no contest guilty is the same basic concept. I also um, think too, just with Bridges, I don't, I don't know that we're gonna see him play. Um, I would question that. I, I, I maybe use uh, a break in the schedule to try and bring him back in. Who knows? But yeah, this could be a weird year for for Charlotte and him. I mean, they did extend him the qualifying offer, so there's, like you mentioned, James, they're they're gonna be able to match anything he gets. But um, could be some, could be a weird year. You think anyone actually gives him a, an offer? Uh, I mean, hard to say. Brendan threw it out there. Like, why not Brooklyn? You've done everything else that's odd and like strange. And like, uh, we went through the. I don't think they have the money, up. man. Oh, well, I mean, how much? <laughs> then is, there's that. How much is <laughs> Miles Bridges going to get? Like, yeah, his hundred and sixty million dollar summer is over. Uh, his hundred and sixty million dollar like career 
is is over. He's not getting that money back. At least I do, typically. Do you guys feel like throughout the course of your time covering the league, like I, it's hard to say like anything specifically comparable to this. There's always going to be differences, but I, I feel like tell me if I'm wrong with this that more often than not, like guys end up coming back. No, even if I don't think they should. And this this situation's disgusting. I hate this whole Bridges situation, but I feel like more often than not, people come back. Am I wrong for that? Huh. Are you saying that they come back as a result of uh, like what do you mean? Just like are you talking about the legal matter or his or his restricted free agency? What do you mean? Yeah, I feel like they end up playing in the NBA again. Yeah, no, you'll you'll. I think we'll see him play this year. I really do. Um, but I just hmm. think it's going to be a very weird situation. You know, like he's still. It's restricted free agency. You've got the qualifying offer. Maybe, I don't know. I think his people have a decision to make, and maybe it's going to be the one that's just the easiest to get through the year. I don't think he has people anymore. I think they dropped him. Yeah. Uh, like, he might have new people, um, but right. I, I think last time I, I heard he did, I, I believe he was dropped. I might be wrong with that, though. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I just don't think that he's out there by himself, you know, trying to, I think he's going to have a trainer. He's still going to have people that are close to him and um, even without having the agency he once did. Um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out in the coming days. Um, okay. Well, let's just roll this right into the business of basketball. Um, like the NBA is, is facing like a bunch of really, really hot button issues. Like this is one um, we talked a little bit about uh, just, like without like mincing words here, the shit show that is the Brooklyn Nets and what's happened to them in the last year. But at what point do we see the league have to like step in and handle some of these issues as a league, as a, as a business, as somebody who can't have one of their star players and the vice president of the players association going out and spreading uh, anti-Semitic propaganda, like, what do you think is going to happen here? Because we have this situation where uh, it, it looks like Adam Silver is going to meet with Kyrie Irving in the coming days, um, and rightly he should. Like his business is being damaged by one person uh, in, in a way that you know it, it just stands out. Like it's not good. Um, but where is the league, and how does the league have handle situations like this? Um, and how should they handle situations like this? Well, they've bungled it so far, and now it looks like a whole bunch of um, reaction to the criticism that they're justly getting. It's a, it's terrible out there. It's a disgrace. And Adam Silver meeting with Kyrie Irving is a step, but it's also, you know, Kyrie Irving, if you read his words and hear him speak, he doesn't think he did anything wrong. And he's not apologizing. Um, he also is trying to show that he doesn't line up with uh, – he's not apologizing because he doesn't feel he did anything wrong by virtue of him not believing he's anti-Semitic and saying that just because I promoted this video or showed this video or, you know, whatever it was, that this means he's an anti he, that he's anti-Semitic. But then he when he's asked about if he's anti-Semitic, he dodges the question and then doesn't apologize. So, like, it's 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 just – it's awful, and and the league should have done more. And no, he should not be playing probably. And um, it's a there, there are ramifications for your words. Yes, this is a an area where you can go out and have free speech for sure, no doubt. But guess what? There's ramifications to free speech. There are consequences that come with free speech. So um, 
You saw that with Kanye West. He's his own business and he's lost every, every business that he had. Um, and you know, those are the ramifications for it. So, um, we talked about in the previous podcast, what happened to Myers Leonard, Myers Leonard's not a star player, but the Miami heat banished him. Uh, he was, he was suspended and he's never played again. So, um, to to con, to contrast that with what's going on with Kyrie Kyrie Irving, it's not the league to me. I think was leaning on the Nets, and then the Nets thought, even though their owner ad, admonished what he said, they come out there and throw money at it with Kyrie Irving. To I mean, that's just awful. <laughs> you know, it's just the it's just lands completely flat in terms of how you respond to this. Just if if he had just come out and say and said that, hey, I apologize, um, didn't mean anything by it. Um, and and, elo- and and kind of articulated himself in an eloquent way, and and I think we're, we wouldn't be really talking about this anymore. But they continue to step on every landmine in Brooklyn, and uh, now you've got the commissioner getting involved, and uh, it just looks completely reactionary. Like you're 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 doing it because of the the criticism that you're getting. I don't like it. Yeah, I think one of the problems. Uh... And I'll, I'll kick this to Brendan. Uh, Sean, you bring up something there, though. It's that, um, like, what he's saying is is something that, like, he does believe. And you, you said, you know, if he would have come out and said something eloquent, like, the problem is we know that he can. It, it's not like he's someone. He is the vice president of the Players Association. He can speak for himself. And the problem that we're having is that he goes further and further and further down some rabbit hole where he's almost trying to be reactionary. And uh, to be honest, I'm waiting. Where's Nike in this? Because he's a Nike guy, right? Like where is the, the not only is he, not only is he a Nike guy, James, not only is he a Nike guy, he has his own signature shoe, which is even different. Like you, you have guys that get shoes, right? But you have guys that get their signature shoe. Uh, You know, the Kobe, uh, the Paul George, um, you know, Zion Williamson, you have a Jordan brand shoe. Uh, you know, Kyrie has a very popular shoe. Most a lot of NBA players wear it. It's not a De'Aaron Fox where you don't really have your own signature shoe. You may have a colorway and a model like you saw at one point, but you don't have a evolving shoe like LeBron every single year. Uh, he does, and it, it's a small list of guys that have that. Yeah, but I mean, we saw what Adidas did to right. to Kanye, like when does Nike step up and actually violate his contract and say, we're done with you? Like, again, we're in this weird situation where some things are unacceptable and other things, well, they're pretty much unacceptable. And I I think it plays into the Miles uh, Bridges conversation as well. It's like, like, look, that, are you going to back it? Are you going to let him play again? Are you going to allow somebody into your league that did what he did? And I think it's like we're getting to a point where consequences, there needs to be consequences, and it becomes, is the league strong enough? Can they do something to stop some of the things that are happening? And and it feels like every day we're hit with a new thing with like the Josh Primo thing or, or you know, the Bridges situation or the Kyrie Irving thing. Like, where is the league? Because as of right now, it does not feel like they've been strong enough on any front. Sorry, Brendan, up. I'll throw it to you, with James just like, <laughs> no, you're fine. This is always my least favorite conversations to have, but I, I mean, it's just Kyrie's public responses to all this have been shocking. Like, why can't he just say that he is 
anti-Semitic and that he only agreed with a certain portion of, of what he had posted. And like, I, I just, he's continuously doubling down, tripling down and just making it so much worse. And it, it, it's just a horrible look um, to the, like, when was, does Nike step in and like Kanye and Adidas had their falling out. Like it took a long time for that to happen. I feel like um, maybe it happened fairly quick um, within the time period of like everything just kind of fell through for Kanye at the same time, but he had been saying a lot of stuff for a while now. And then it kind of, kind of finally fell through. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what the league ends up deciding with Kyrie and what his response is to whatever decision is made. Um, and, and then Brooklyn goes out and hires Ime Udoka as well. And we still don't even know the full extent of what the hell went on with Udoka in Boston and that whole complication, like, like, like you're saying, Primo bridges, there was the Detroit thing not long ago. We dealt with Sarver at the beginning of this year. Like it, it's been, it's been a mess. And that is a I, mess. I, I it, forgot about the servers. Look, look how far we are. That was just like a month ago that we were dealing with the fallout from the server situation. The news is coming so fast that it feels like, like the political cycle. That's what it feels like where you just don't have time to digest every single bit of information because it, there's something new that's coming the next day that will just make you forget about the ridiculous things that happened the day before. Just to kind of put a bow on the Kyrie stuff here, though, because I think there's a lot that's coming at you, to, especially today as we record this podcast. And for people who may not have been caught up on this, yeah, you mentioned Adam Silver is going to meet with Kyrie at some point um, this week as, as Silver announced that in a statement this morning. But Kyrie also spoke to the media and our good friend Nick Friedel, who's been on the story uh, with ESPN, you know, Kyrie with a quote here, uh, I didn't mean to cause any harm. I'm not the one who made the documentary. That's part of the double down where you're not having the apology. He goes on to say, I take my responsibility for posting that. Some things that were in, that were questionable in there, untrue. Like I said in the first time I, you guys asked me when I was sitting on that stage, I don't believe everything that everybody posts. It's a documentary, so I take my responsibility. Um, and Nick does a great job of putting context here where he says many around the league and within the Nets organization were hoping that Kyrie would say at least these two things today. One, I'm sorry. And two, I don't have anti-Semitic beliefs, which he was asked, asked about several, several times. And neither one of those happened again today, even after he's even after the news is out that he's going to meet that, that, that the commissioner wants to meet with him. So hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. I mean, I mean like, you've I, got like we're in 2022 and you've got sports reporters gathered up around a media scrum at Kyrie Irving saying, are you anti-Semitic? And he cannot answer the question. How? How can you not answer the question? Like it says a lot. That you a simple no that. would do. Right. <laughs> yeah, geez, well, he man. can't answer the question because he doesn't believe the answer that that everyone wants. That's what it seems like, right? It I mean, that's pretty basic. I mean, that's pretty basic. Like, I mean, it, it plays into a, a larger, like, issue that we're having in society right now where, you know, like, the truth is being assaulted left and right, and, and it's pretty crazy. And, um, yeah, I, I'm not even sure to make of the Kyrie situation. Um, I, I'm to not the point good. where, I, I, you know, like, I, the thing is we're on a ticking clock with him. I don't know that he'll be in the league next year. I don't know that someone else is going to put up 
with this trash again and again and again. And it's funny when he's doing the flat earth thing and, you know, even if he does believe it, you're just sitting there shaking your head like, all right, what exactly, you know, it is, that's not that big of a deal because you're like, okay, you're just like, you don't get science, I guess. I'm not sure. Um, But when you're, you're going down this rabbit hole with him and it just becomes more and more and more and more. And to be honest with you, I think the biggest issue that we want to compare him to Kanye with some of these things that he's doing, the problem is that we all know that like Kanye ha- has mental mental health issues. And I don't think that we've ever thought that that was the case with Kyrie. Like there's something very specific that like Kanye has mental health issues. There's been moments where, you know, like guys have gone to help and try to save him and, and like he has mental health issues, but that's not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with someone who has bad, bad views and like he's standing by him and it's like, okay, it's one thing if we can at least think, okay, you're schizophrenic or bipolar, or there's something else brewing here that, you know, that makes it not right, but at least explains some of the reason why you're going down this path and refusing to yield. But that's not the case with him. It, it really does feel like somebody who's, defiantly putting things out there that you know make a lot of people uncomfortable and are a lot of things that aren't true and a lot of things that you just shouldn't be putting out there can i can i bring it back to a king's thing real quick yeah then you've got ben simmons who's got like no it completely obviously that's a terrible tangent like that segue i didn't <laughs> Let, what i'm let's talking just about reset. is let's reset and let's we're done we're Welcome done to with the king's the beat we're we're done with the other conversation. We're done with the Kyrie situation. No, I, but but like then you have Ben Simmons who has swelling in the knee and uh you know the report about them talking to a western conference team, sure. Um I don't think it would surprise many if one of them was the Kings. Um but like let's pretend it was the Kings without knowing for sure and purely speculation here. Um, okay. but we did this on D and KZ yesterday, but go ahead. Oh, did you? Okay. No, no, no on Monday, sorry. but go ahead. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, is there still interest if you're the Sacramento Kings? Should you still have interest in Ben Simmons? How much does the knee bother you? Um, if you do, Brendan, let's start with you since I just saw you yeah. lean way back in your chair. <laughs> well, I was, a I was a Ben Simmons believer and he's really testing me this year. Um, he's been really bad. And then there's, of course, always lingering injury stuff. And what you're pointing out there, um, spacing is one of Mike Brown's staples to the offense and clearly not something that Ben Simmons uh, helps you with at all, even though he has a lot of other things that he does really well. But I don't think that he's been very good on defense. I think that this has been a good little test and of course he's still getting back into the groove of playing basketball and everything but i think that this has been a decent little test of can he save a defense because brooklyn defense was horrible last year and sure they brought royce o'neill in as well like i think nick claxton's okay on defense um and some of those other guys but it doesn't look like he's somebody that's going to come in and, and save a defense or anything like that and i think that that would be the ideal hope with simmons um if it's the right price, I, I'm still listening from Sacramento's point of view, but I'm certainly not as interested as I was throughout the offseason, which really just means that probably my evaluation before was not the best. I think the asking price is 
likely come down. I think it would be if it's still the same. Well, then you hang up the phone. Like if it's still as egregious as uh, you're expecting, you know, James Harden like talent <laughs> in return that you got. Uh, I, like to me, he's damaged goods at this point. Like yeah. there's just too many uh, things to go wrong, and now you've got a swelling in the knee. Um, like there's just way too many bad signs and I'm always a guy who bet on talent. I really am. Uh, I was all in on Ben Simmons last year. Um, that was a move. I said, I don't care. Like make it like you, the Kings were, were a rudderless ship going nowhere, especially that summer going into the season. And I famously said the year before you could have any three of my players. If, if I'm not touching my picks, you can have any three of my players and I'll take them. I'll take Ben Simmons in return and I'll figure it out. I, and I, I don't regret that at all. I think at that point you would have gotten a different Ben Simmons than you do right now. And what I mean by that is you wouldn't have had the whole, let's just sit with the, the Philadelphia 76ers coming off of the playoff series that you had and let his, um, his, his confidence completely deteriorate and become something of this, you know, if you had been able to get him out of Philadelphia, early after that playoff series and had a whole summer to build him up in a, in a, in the right situation, which I think the Kings could have been, I think you're seeing a different, I think we're talking about a much, much, much different Ben Simmons than we would be at that point. Um, but the one we have right now, there's just too much negative there. I don't, to be honest, short of moving an expiring contract like Harrison Barnes or somebody that's just fell out of a rotation, like, like Rashawn Holmes or um, like, I, I honestly probably wouldn't, I wouldn't do any, I wouldn't do any first round pick. I probably wouldn't include Davion Mitchell in any in any situation. Uh, there's not really much I'd give up for him at this point. Okay, so I'm just gonna put it to both of you. Would you do that deal right there if it was Holmes and Barnes, which means you save on the next two years a Holmes salary, which is a, about twenty six million, I think, um, and you lose Holmes and Barnes for Ben Simmons straight up. No picks, would you do it? Yeah, and I, yeah, I would, and I'd even, I'd even do something like somebody who doesn't really find themselves in the rotation, like a, a not find themselves, but not, not like a steady rotational player, like someone like Alex Len, someone like Eve, I could be talked into Trey Lyles. Yeah, well, mm, yeah, probably, I guess, because he, you know, I still, th- I do still see value with Shemezi Metu, but breaking the deal. That's no, not, it isn't. It's no. not a deal breaker. But no. yeah, those type, that type of move for sure. But I'm not. You know, I saw someone have a uh, speculate a, a top fifteen protected. No, I'm not doing that. No, you can't. You can't. I wouldn't be doing any. Well, and top fifteen protected costs the Kings like every pick that for the next like seven years. Like they, they well, in have a way, unless you a top, top twenty. Uh, Away, unless you just satisfy the herder thing. So if you satisfy the herder thing, that you have to factor that in. So if you satisfy the herder deal with with Atlanta and say, okay, we're we're removing the protections. And you no. design a way to where that pick goes away in 2020. Again, that's part of the calculus, and I'm not doing that. No, no, no. I, I'm with you. Uh, Brennan, what would you would you say yes or no? The question was Barnes and Holmes straight up. Barnes, Holmes, straight up, and maybe, you know, a, a toss-in. Yeah. Like nothing, yeah. I, nothing I'm, outlandish. I'm easily doing that. Like I'm, I'm skeptical of, of Ben Simmons for same reason Sean laid out and, and you have James and we've kind of talked about here, but he's still 26. He's got this year and two more on his deal, which I guess some, in some ways could be looked at as a downside because it's a pretty big deal. 37 the year after 40 million in 2024, 25. 
113, I think it is. 113 million over the next this year and the next two. It is a lot of money. Um, it's also a lot of talent. I don't know how the Kings get another talent this level, um, to be honest. And, and I guess this level is has some variance to it, depending on what sort of Ben Simmons we're talking about. But I, I think that we've seen him be a really, really good basketball player, one of the most impactful defenders in the league, one of the best passers in the league. He's great at rebounding, which has been a big thing for the Kings. Like, I, I think it's really easy to get caught up in what he can't do and overlook all the things that he does at genuinely an elite level, um, even though we haven't seen that so far in Brooklyn. like If we're just talking Holmes, whose value is worrying me more and more with each passing day, um, and Harrison Barnes, who Famously. is expiring, <laughs> then yeah, that's that's an easy yes for me, even though I'm skeptical right. of Simmons. I too would say yes, which is no surprise because I, I yeah, like, but it's it's not going to be that. Like if you're Brooklyn, why are you doing that move? Because you have 130 something million on the books with him, and because he's not playing well enough to to support what you're doing this year for KD and Harrison Barnes might act, especially offensively might actually work better uh, for you. I mean, the guy is averaging like 5.7 shot attempts per game, although he's still over seven assists. He's still six and a half rebounds. He's, he's, still... he's an elite playmaker, elite rebounder, elite defender. I mean, he's elite and elite ball handler. He's, he's elite in several categories. Yeah. And I'll say this too. Like I want to know That's if what I'm saying. Can... Why would you do it? If, if you're them, <laughs> Yeah, you you to me in my, in my mind because you have if, to reset because that thing's a mess. You have do to you? reset. It, it is no, it is. No, but you, you still have Kevin Durant. Yeah, but I I, I don't feel like you shop. I don't feel Durant like you have to do it. Season like you were forced to shop Durant. You almost you're, made a deal with with uh, the Suns. You're probably going to have to do that again. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's where they're at. So why not? Start? Did that sound cool, by the way? I don't even know if that sounded cool. I don't. You're probably know. gonna have to do that again. I was trying to do your voice, but I can't uh, do yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. I, I, I felt you. I understood what you're doing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, I, I'll say this: we keep seeing the problem with the Sacramento Kings is when Sabonis and Fox are off the floor, they have a problem running the offense. If you added another guy who averages seven point three assists per game. And when one of those guys stepped off the floor, Simmons is now that same hub that you're using for that Sabonis is. Then I think your offense just keeps flowing, and you could be really good. Whether he it's just... decides to like become an offensive weapon, decides to cut, decides to play off the ball, those are things that I'm slightly concerned with. Can yeah. he play off the ball? And I'm not sure that he can, but. If you get him in transition, you get everything moving. I, like I see a lot of pluses. You mentioned something just a few minutes ago about Kyrie Irving, about possibility of that guy not being in the league at some point. I mean, he's still you know got a pretty nice contract, but um, no, it it expires. It, no, I'm saying this the contract this year. I'm talking about the, oh, yeah. like he he's going to be up for free agency. Who knows what what happens there? Um, I think again. That's going to be part of the reset. Given what's going on with Kyrie Irving right now, like that's obviously your biggest problem. I feel like you can still, again, we we're talking about all these things, why the Kings would be interested in Ben Simmons. I could still see why the Nets would be interested in Ben Simmons, especially considering you just moved James Harden for him. You don't feel if the best you can get, in your opinion, and I don't know that it's the best you can get, but 
hypothetically speaking with the Kings and we're talking about Rashawn Holmes and Harrison Barnes, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Well, but you have to remember what the trade was for him going from Philly. Right. Uh, like they got first round picks with him, with Ben Simmons. With Ben so, Simmons, yeah. Yeah, so they the deal they traded from Philadelphia with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, a 2022 first round pick um, and a 2027 first round pick. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they actually got It's still not good there. enough. It's not, I mean, if if you have that type of talent, and again, it's diminished, I, I'll give you that. Like, I feel like it has come down off of that because there's too many question marks that surround Ben Simmons. And again, I'm not the guy who's wanting to give up first-round picks or anything of substance for Ben Simmons at this point. But if you're Brooklyn and you know that you're going to be likely losing Kyrie Irving and, and probably not having, that's a big cog that comes off of your your wheel and you, and you don't have uh, that, that money will be coming off of your books as well. Like, I feel like adding somebody like Rashawn Holmes and Harrison Barnes, granted Harrison's an expiring deal as well. I don't know. I just feel like you got, you got to do better than that. And, I think and you I feel go like, to... go ahead. I feel like picking a new coach is maybe I'm reading this wrong is more of a sign of we have the talent. We're just not utilizing it right. And maybe this guy can do it. And they are a really talented roster for what it's worth. So I don't know. Maybe he looks different under Udoka. 30th in the league in defense. Do we know what the contractual terms will be with Udoka? Oh, that's nuts. Well, I I mean, Boston just got off the hook. They just fully got off the hook for all that money they owed him. Yeah. Because you figure he probably had this year and two more at a minimum. And I'll, I'll say this too. Like the one reason why I think Brooklyn would at least listen is because they would basically have, with Kyrie and with Simmons gone and with Barnes being a free agent, they'd have roughly $70 bucks this offseason to go add pieces around KD. That's a lot. They don't have a bunch of contracts, uh, a bunch of contractual obligations outside of those two. Uh, you know, they've got little things here. Uh, I, I think Joe Harris is probably a little bit of money, uh, but even him, I, I don't think he's under contract for very much longer. And so uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's it's possible that they do something crazy that you know that they would at least listen. And I, I think the Kings, while they don't have first round picks, you can throw in a stack of seconds. You can do something different to help them uh, because that's a team that actually uses second round picks because they usually have really high end players all around them. Yeah, uh, right. Joe Harris is under contract for one more year. Um, yeah, after the after this year. So interesting food for thought. Uh, I I did not expect us to take the, the podcast to uh, Kyrie uh, to Ben's a potential Ben Simmons. I thought I had notes. uh, Should we go back to screwing the, screwing the refs? Let's just, the refs are screwing Sacramento. The refs hate the Kings. Uh, Keegan Murray had his worst offensive game of the season and probably worst defensive game. Um, More so uh, worst defensive game. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so. uh, I'm not worried he, about the shoot. I'm not worried. No, about No, no, I'm not worried about that. I don't worry about any of it with him. No. Um, and did you see? Did you see his dad? Uh, mm-hmm. Responded. I, I think that that was that was bold. Uh, what was it to? Was it to Cam? Salerno? Yeah, to Cameron Salerno. Yeah. Yeah. So he he responded uh, that, like, look, but Keegan wasn't shooting the ball well, and he wasn't playing defense, so he probably didn't need to be on the court. I thought that that was bold. Um, and night we and day with a different uh, lottery picks family members. Yeah, a, a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
We also we had Sabonis put up twenty two, twelve, and eight. Uh, that was incredible. And man, like I think the one thing I'll point out with the Ben Simmons question is that the addition of Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray make it possible for you to go chase a guy like Ben Simmons because those oh, dudes, I agree. like I get it, hoisting the three ball. They have been really, really good, especially Herter. Herter has been absolutely spectacular. Uh, like, I, he's everything the Kings thought they were getting and, like, uh, quite a bit more. Uh, impressed. Every time Herter or Murray hoist up a three, I'm just convinced it's going in. Yeah. Like, that. that's the confidence I have in both those players from beyond the arc right now. I mean, Herter hit a couple from, like, uh, like the Florida Keys. Yeah, I mean he he was launching from from deep, and it doesn't even he doesn't even care, like that. That's mm-hmm. what I love. He's just like, all right, this is what I'm doing. I'm hoisting, and none of it I love feels the, like it's out of the flow. The one here in Sacramento where you just just I mean just pulled up from it was a two for one situation. He recognized it, and he's like, all right, I'm gonna pull from here. And money, I mean, it was damn near thirty feet away, and he drained it. Yeah. Um, it, all right. Let's uh, let's get to final thoughts. Um, Brendan, you got any final thoughts? I, I assume that our car-related final thoughts uh, is in, like the police no. report you're about to I'm gonna, file. I'm going to have enough car-related thoughts after this episode, so I'm going to save those for post-recording. Um, I, I think one thing that I want to highlight that we've talked about before, but it's just kind of kept up and, and surprised me and briefly mentioned earlier this episode, is just like Malik Monk's passing has been so freaking good i mean seven assists in this game i don't think it's the first game he's had seven assists um he's been up there in most of these previous games it's the third with seven assists which is crazy i i asked uh bam post game what he thought about uh malik with seven assists and kind of the growth he's seen from him and he just jokingly talked about this the first time i've ever seen malik have seven assists the growth is just that he's actually passing the ball now which is pretty funny um, but he, he's been a phenomenal passer. I think Herter's been a good passer too. Um, I, I think that you could lessen those deli minutes a little bit and, and even have Monk as your primary initiator, even minutes where, where Davion was out there alongside Monk. Monk was the one bringing the ball up the floor and kind of initiating the offense just to kind of initially get into their flow. But, um, just final thought, just want to talk about like how impressed I've been with Malik as a passer and kind of the variety of passes he's been able to throw and hasn't been all too much turnover prone um i heard coming into the year that he was an improved passer but i've been shocked at the extent of it it's the most underrated part of his game people don't give him nearly as much credit for that you've said that about herder as well yeah yeah herder herder is a nice i mean to me i feel like it's defensively where herder doesn't get the credit because herder is is a fantastic defender especially in a team concept in my opinion and um Everyone, I think Herder, everyone just looks at Herder and goes, oh, he's a shooter. And he is, and we're, we're raving about it, but he does a lot of other things too, man. And uh, both those guys. I, I think when when people saw that Malik Monk was coming to Sacramento, I think there was a lot of people that thought, even with the addition of Herder, that Malik would be the starter. And he was coming off a career year in, in, in L.A. and all this thing. And I was like, no, man, you want that? This guy's coming off the bench. You know, Herder, Herder's that dude. Herder needs more more shot attempts, more, more minutes played. And, uh, Malik is very capable, but he'll be that, he'll be that spark off the bench, but yes, he can score and yes, he can shoot. But my goodness, the playmaking ability is fantastic. 
I remember when Sean tried to reach through uh, the the call here and slap me when I said that Herder's like a poor man's Clay Thompson. I did, yeah. He's looking more and more like a pretty solid, not even broke uh, Clay Thompson. Like he's not Clay Thompson, bro. There's he's nowhere not Clay near Thompson. Clay Thompson. No, he's not, he's not even Thompson. in the. He's not even in the world of Clay Thompson. Let's. He he's can't defend one. He is not an elite defender. He can't shoot. Just, sorry, I'm sorry. It's triggering. It's triggering. Yeah, no, I did. I said how good he was as a playmaker and as a scorer. He can't shoot and he can't you defend s- like Clay Thompson. You said just two seconds ago that he's a much better defender. That he hasn't been getting the Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter. Herter. Kevin Herter. Yeah, yeah. He's That's a much better saying. defender. Oh, I thought you said Malik Monk. No, even with Herder, oh, he's not. He's no, not Clay Thompson. No, no I no. never ever said Malik Monk was no. uh, Clay Thompson. No, I, I'm saying no. Kevin Herder is no. Kevin. Like, he's not. No, he's not. Even Herder's not in the in, in the realm of discussion oh, of Clay he, Thompson. He's his own player. He, he's not a as good a defender, but a lot of similarities. The the shooting ability is Clay a better like over the course of his career a much better shooter. Yeah, but like if you get him in the right offense and uh, under the right situation, he he's a style of player, a six foot seven shooting guard that can defend people, that can make some passes for people, and who can knock down shots from everywhere. So, and I'm not saying he's clay. That's a very poor man. I, I don't think it's well. He's his own guy. I just don't yeah. think they compare well. But tomato, uh, tomato. I don't know. I don't Who know. says tomato? By the way, if anyone came up to me and said tomato, Nobody. I'd look at him and go, "What country are you from? Yeah, what I land wonder, do you hail from?" I wonder when that was a thing. When that was a thing. Um, uh, Sean, do you have any final thoughts? Since we like we we got on another topic here, as opposed I like to that finishing topic. final thoughts. Oh, I can't think of anything great. Um, are you guys going down to the Warriors on yeah, Monday? I, I think yeah. we are. I think we're doing carpool carpool karaoke. Again. Carpool karaoke. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, I'm actually some Rihanna little... in the car. What was oh, that? That's already queued up. That's we already could play some up. Rihanna in the car. I said. Yeah, you can no. jump in with us if you want, Sean. New song's fantastic. Uh, did we talk about that? I don't think we talked about it enough. <laughs> I will say um, my favorite part of last game, uh, last home game, was late, middle, late fourth quarter. Sean panicking to figure out panicking. how he could play. No, you were panicking. You were panicking. When, I kept when you refreshing. You couldn't find it on Spotify. That YouTube wasn't working. No, no I didn't have my. Like you were panicking. So here's the thing, and I'm so glad you brought this up. I don't have my my spot. I don't subscribe to Spotify um, because most everything you can do on there is free, except for like look up a specific song. And uh, I didn't. I could. I don't know how to log into it. And with the new iPhones, you can't like plug in your your headphones which i didn't have and matt george let me borrow something where i could hear and uh uh i didn't have the adapter with me it was downstairs and i didn't want to leave because i'm obviously having to do my job as well so uh, i was like all right what are the many ways that i can listen to this and did you guys get on video or anything like what were you were you guys just making fun of me behind my back i didn't see this yeah we were right behind you i didn't want to bother you because you were just so i was locked into your search yeah yeah I listened but. to it like three or four times. <laughs> it was, I had to, I had to get into my Apple Music, which I didn't want to. You know, you're limited on how many devices you can have it on. I was like, fuck it, we're gonna get onto my Apple Music and we're gonna just go. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. My uh, final thoughts, by the way, um, was I, I was debating not going to the the Kings Warriors game because Quentin Tarantino is doing a speaking engagement for his new book 
in San Francisco, and I was going to try to go to that, but then I realized I had to work. So I was thinking, oh, sorry, what? Yeah, that's you, you, okay. I knew you were just <laughs> dicking around. Okay, um, no, I uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm actually really giving it thought as to like how do I not go because I obviously can't do both, but because they're right at the same time. But I think it would be fun to see that. And Brendan, how many Tarantino movies have you seen? Top of your head, I've seen Pulp Fiction. Um, can you help me wow. name any other ones? Sure. How about Jackie Brown? No. Well, Reservoir Dogs. One. No, that's a great. Either one. of the Kill Bills. Those Not can really. be a little tough, but yeah, I've seen them. What do you? How dare Hateful you. Eight. Turn your turn, turn your mic off, James. Four rooms. <laughs> Django Unchained. Uh, not four rooms. I've seen some of Django. Inglorious Bat. What do you mean some of Django? Oh, Inglorious Bastards. You know how I great am. Great movies. I've seen Inglorious Bastards. All the way through. Yes. Okay. Oh, that's a great film. What else is that? A, have we run out of Tarantino films? Uh, well, Reservoir Dogs. Um, you said that. You know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which no. is he look at him shaking his head? God, come on, man. Okay, I, I liked it. I didn't love. I, I mean, I you know, it like took some turns there. Yeah, that was interesting. They took some liberties there. So, like, because okay. it's it's based on, based loosely on a true event. Which I thought was intriguing how they took that. The way so was Inglorious Bastards, man. Yeah, you think they didn't take some liberties there, my guy. That's different. I, like that, oh, that okay. felt different. Uh, all right. Uh, final thoughts from James. Um, yeah, never too high, Don't. never too low. Yeah, I, I think that we've seen Kings fans like cardiac, like arrest every, every like enjoy the games. Uh, try to take a step back and, and really like watch the team grow because I think they are growing. Um, I think we haven't seen steps backwards as much as we have seen tough competition and games where you don't do like everything perfect. Uh, but overall, I think the progress we're seeing is pretty strong and the advanced numbers like support like growth that is happening. And I think you're, you're still like, seeing the tip of the iceberg on specific players. And, and I haven't given up on Rashawn Holmes and I haven't given up on Davion Mitchell being like really solid contributors to the team. But, uh, no, that doesn't mean that I, I won't like say what I believe is, you know, what, if they're not playing well, like it is what it is. Like that's part of the job is to, it is to call it out and, and say what you see. And, you know, like, I don't think I, I'm off base with a lot of what I'm saying. So, Anyway, Brendan, if if someone's in the uh, to sell their car, like they're in the market of selling their car and want to make you aware of it, uh, where could they where could they send their their vehicle? No, oh, I guess it's notice. I guess it's Twitter DMs. God damn, this is what my day has come to already. It's Jeez. coming to this, Brendan. Yeah, yeah you, you might have a rental car for a couple of weeks. Maybe we take your rental car on Monday. I don't know. Like get a van, mm. get a get a minivan. I don't know. Get a van. Maybe but you know what Brendan should do. He just just buy a Tesla like, like everyone else is buying a Tesla. Oh jeez, yeah. yeah. Tessie, that Tessie life. He's got that Tesla money. He's got that Tesla money. Apartments uh, are hard to, to to charge though. You know, get get a good one of those to. ones that have a charging down station. To Golden One and go to Doco. Yeah, <laughs> just plug it in all day at work. Go it's see not a like movie. He goes anywhere. Yeah, go fall asleep. There we go. There we go. Fall asleep in the movies. Hope you don't get robbed uh, in the movies. Oh, come on. Well, I mean, like, if you bring the stuff in, like, uh, 
Who knows? You literally, you literally went and watched Black Adam and slept through it. I did. Day. I fell asleep and missed the first part of it. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, okay, well that's gonna that's gonna wrap up this edition of the King's Beat podcast. Um, if you're still watching somehow, I don't know how that's possible. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Um, give us a subscription if you don't mind. Uh, and you know, jump on board with the King's Beat. We're growing like crazy still. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. This is episode 101 of the King's Beat podcast. Um, I do believe though it's officially what people have seen. It's it's episode 100. There there may have been a lost what? episode hiding out there somewhere. A, a lost episode. So this could very well be the like you un- deceived me. No, like in the number system, this is 100 when I post, but there might be one that I skip. I I kept the number but didn't put out there. And so it's possible this could be number 100. Oh, you bastard. How you did bastard. you do that? You bastard. It's a long story. Okay. Well, one of these days I... we'll regale you with that story, Sean Cunningham, of, of the lost episode of the King's Beat podcast. <laughs> the lost tapes. I like <laughs> the it. The lost tapes. Uh, all right. So that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat podcast. Thanks for joining us for Fox 40, Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunez from the King's Pulse Podcast. I'm James Ham, King's Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. See ya. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.